0: 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 1, and we will read through verse 8. And the scripture says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, ...unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. How that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once. Of whom the greater part remain unto this present. But some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James. Then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also. As one born Out of due time. May the Lord add his own blessing to the reading of his word. For Jesus' sake. This morning I want to. Close again. The third day. According to the scriptures. According to the scriptures. We're going to think on that this morning. Lord bless and help us as we do so for his own name's sake. Before we go further, let's just ask the Lord to meet with us. Father, now we pray that you will bless the word of God, that you will allow it to be that which is used by the Spirit of God within our hearts to deliver us from ourselves, to deliver us from our wandering minds and hearts, so easily set on things that are not only of no worth, but things that may be actually against the mind and will of God. We pray, O Lord, that thou will bring every thought into captivity that thou wilt cause there to be a moving amongst us by the Spirit of God that draws us to your feet, opens our hearts, speaks directly to each of our hearts concerning our needs, concerning your will, concerning the glory of God. We might be a people not only thankful, but a people more resolved within by the help of God to serve Jesus Christ. Lord, bless now this time, bless us, As we think on Thee, help me as I serve and I pray, direct thought and word, for we pray it all in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. I'm going to begin this morning by asking a question. That question is a big question. And the question is simply this, what was the purpose Of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Why did he rise again? Now there are some very important reasons. That we must note right from the start. And let's note a couple of those that answer the question. Why did he rise again? Well. Harry Ironside makes the comment, apart from the resurrection, there was no proof that God had accepted his work as an atonement for our sins. In other words, the fact that the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead showed that the Heavenly Father completely approved of and accepted the payment for our sins. By the Lord Jesus on the cross. The father accepted. The father approved. And the father proved. That all that was needing to be done. To save the people of God was done. Christ's work was perfect. Christ's work was final. It was complete. And he was successful. And so. The Father's approval is seen. There's one very important reason. Well, you'd have to say along with that, the Lord Jesus was himself God. Death couldn't hold him. He had the power to lay down his life. He had the power to take it again. That very truth demanded that he rise from the dead. We might also say this, that the resurrection also proved the power of the Lord Jesus to bear away sin. And also to rid his people from the power of death. And that power of Christ was absolute. He has the power to take away your sins. You and I ought to be very Our sins need not be upon us. They need not be that which rules us anymore. For the work of the Lord Jesus has freed us. And if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Death could not hold him. And because it couldn't hold him, it can't hold us. Sins were put away. And by the way, your sins cannot return to you when Jesus puts them away. Sometimes our old heart and the devil try to convince us, hey, you know those things that you did in the past? They're coming back to get you. (laughs) No, they're not. When Jesus puts away sin, they're gone. Gone, 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 gone. All my sins are gone. You know that chorus. Sins put away would not return if they've been put under the blood. But another point that I would like to think about with you this morning is this. That the resurrection of the Lord Jesus was part of the eternal plan of God. He had to rise from the dead because it was part of the eternal plan of God. It was predetermined and it was foretold. The Lord Jesus and here's my pointing to where we were taking our text. The Lord Jesus rose according to the scriptures. Now that does not mean that the scriptures were the cause of his resurrection. The scriptures, no, were rather a forecast. Of the great work. They set forward the mind and plan of God. And they also tell us what was in the mind of God. Not only toward the Lord Jesus. But toward all those who now have victory over death. Because Christ had victory over death. The scriptures. The scriptures. They tell us that Christ must rise. Indeed again according to the scriptures. Tell us that the resurrection was not just something that happened. The resurrection also was not just heaven's reaction. Keep in mind, there are some that say, well, the Lord saw what Christ did, therefore he, in reacting to that, approved it and raised the Lord Jesus from the dead so that the resurrection was just a reaction on the part of heaven. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. The resurrection was the eternal and unchangeable plan of God. Now, at this point, we would need to ask, what do the scriptures say about the resurrection and how that would relate to me. What do the scriptures say? Well, the answer to this is what we will think about and try to answer today. And so my subject to you is simply this. The scriptures give a true witness to the certainty of the Lord's resurrection, but they also give witness to what the re- resurrection makes certain. Let me say it again. The scriptures give witness to the certainty of the Lord's resurrection, and also they give witness to what the resurrection makes certain. He said, didn't you just say the same thing? No, it's a little bit different. The certainty of the resurrection and what is certain because of the resurrection. So let's consider what the scriptures say about the resurrection of the Lord. And to do that, we will look at the ways in which they speak as well. Now, we will note that the scriptures speak of the resurrection in mostly two ways, as prophecies and as types. Now, you say, that's going to be real technical, isn't it? No, I'm going to try to make it as simple as I can. What is a prophecy? A prophecy. And see if you can keep these words in your mind. It'll, I think it'll kind of help you. A prophecy is a foretelling. A prophecy is a foretelling of something that will come to pass and may also include the reason or importance for the foretelling. Not only does it say this is going to happen, but here's the reason. That doesn't always say that, but sometimes and a lot of times. It will say that. A prophecy is a foretelling. A type is something that serves as a picture to show how what is to come to pass that will be like. In other words, it's not a foretelling, it's a foreshadowing. Now you think about those two words, try to keep them in your mind. I know you're like, he's getting way over my head. A foretelling and a foreshadowing. For example, let me give you an example of a type. The sacrifice of a lamb in the Old Testament was to teach what the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus as God's lamb will be like. So the lamb was a picture, it was to show what will happen when the Lord Jesus comes. It's a foreshadowing of the Lord Jesus. So, you have Two ways, really, in which the Lord's resurrection was displayed in the Scripture. Those two particular points out there, we're going to think of it in that way. So let's look and rose according to the in prophecy. There's my first point. Now, there are a number of examples that could be noted of the prophecies in the Old Testament that speak of the resurrection. Though, there is not one that uses the word resurrection. Not one time do we have in the Old Testament the word resurrection. Further, to note everyone by listing and explaining. Going through all the possible references. Is not what I really want to do. Rather I simply want to establish in your thinking. That what the Apostle Paul says in our text. That the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead according to the scriptures. Certainly is the case. I'm not going to name every time. And you're going to be very grateful I'm sure. But I'm going to name a couple of places in the scripture where it. Very positively refers to the Lord Jesus raised or being raised from the dead. Now, if anyone would say to you that the resurrection was not prophesied because nowhere in the Old Testament is it mentioned, that is plainly wrong. So, let me note with you some of the plainer and more familiar instances of the Lord speaking of the certainty of the resurrection. The first that I want you to see with me is found in the book of Psalms. So we we'll you to take your Bible and turn to Psalm 16 and see what I'm referring to. Psalm 16, and we will read there verse 10. Psalm 16 and verse 10. It says there, Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Let me read it again for you. Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Now there are some that said, Well apply to David. Certainly. David's speaking of the glorious uh, keeping power of God. Well, my comment to you would be what does about that particular thought in the words of Scripture? If you look back at Acts chapter thirteen, you have Peter commenting on these very verse this very verse that I just read to you. Acts chapter thirteen speaks about this particular one. Acts chapter 13, verse 34. Here's what Peter says that verse in Psalm 16 really means. He says this, And as concerning that he raised him from the dead. Now no more to return to corruption. He said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore, he saith also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to seek corruption. For David, after he had served his... Own generation, by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised from uh, raised again saw no corruption. Back to dust. so about anybody else either, because all the same thing happening to them. So, it is indeed talking about the Lord. Why does the Lord not let his Holy Ones see corruption? Well, that's a very good question. Why will he not let his Holy Ones see corruption? Why is it that the Lord Jesus? Be one who is raised from the dead. Let me give you the reason here. And I'm going to point you to John chapter 17. And verse 24. The Lord Jesus is praying in the garden. And he says. Father I will that they also whom thou hast given me. Be with me where I am. Certainly he doesn't speak like he's going to no longer be. Like he's one in the grave. That they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou, and here's the point, for thou lovest me of the world. of John 17 speak of the love that the father has for him whom he calls the holy one. This holy one will be the one who will sit at his right hand as he did before. So you say, well what's the point? It's simply this. The father loved the son before the foundation of the world. I am going to ask you a question. How did the father love the Lord Jesus? did the Father love Jesus before the foundation of the world? It's important that you hear me and understand this because this has a relationship to you too. How did he love him? The word that is the answer is he loved him infinitely. He loved him infinitely. In other words the Father loved the Lord Jesus Loved him immensely. For, for the Lord Jesus ever came to this world, the love that He continually, unchangeably, for Him, born. The love that the Father has for the Son, because it is infinite, could not go or be changed. He could not help but cha- loving this, this one, the Holy One. His daughter die. Christ was loved of God the Father infinitely. Now again, I ask you, even though the Lord Jesus... He did not did he do anything did the Lord Jesus ever do anything in the course of his life that would have changed infinite love now I'm speaking as a silly man when I say that you can't change in infinite love it cannot be changed well the answer is no he did nothing other than that he was made our sin so here's my point there was no change in the love of the father for the son perfect, holy, full, immeasurable, and unchangeable. Because of this, Christ could not stay separated. The Father would not allow a permanent separation of Christ from himself. He could not have that. There was no change with Christ, therefore the determination that Christ would be exalted and sit at the right hand again had to happen. The scriptures had to be fulfilled. The resurrection had to happen according to the scriptures. Now you say, How it really possible relate to me? John seventeen again, just a little bit later than what the words I just read. And the Lord Jesus prays, and I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it that the love of wherewith thou hast loved me, may be in them, and I in them. Again, let me ask you the question, how does God the Father love the Lord Jesus? The answer is, infinitely. When we are made one with the Lord Jesus, the question then has to arise, If we are then in Christ, how does the Lord love us? Now this is not a real hard question, is it? How does the Lord love us? He loves us infinitely too. So then, here's my point. If God loved Christ as prophesied, stated in the scripture, and that love will not allow him to let this Holy One see corruption then what does it say about you? It says this, doesn't it? That you also will be one that will be raised and brought to where Jesus is. The scriptures show us what God has planned from eternity. God has always planned that the Lord Jesus would have a people. Here's how this will happen. So, Psalm 16, verse 10 it is a prophecy. There are many others I'll just for example Isaiah chapter 53 verse 10 says yet it pre- pleased the Lord to bruise him he hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin here's the point he shall see his seed he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand here's a plain statement that the Lord Jesus will see his seed in other words He will see those that he has saved coming to the place where he is safe and sound. He will be alive to do that. Well, let me just point out one other one. I don't want to belabor this. According to the scriptures, does the Old Testament predict the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Yes. Psalm 16 verse 10 is a very prominent verse. I'm going to give you one more. Hosea chapter 6 verses 1 to 3. Hosea chapter 6 verses 1 to 3. I'm going to read it to you. See if this sounds somewhat like what we're dealing with on today's message. Hosea chapter 6 verse 1 says, Come, and let us return unto the Lord. For he hath torn and he will heal us he hath smitten and he will bind us up after 2 days will he revive us in the 3rd he will raise us up and we in his sight then go on to know the lord his going forth is prepared as the morning and he shall come unto us as the rain and the latter and the former rain unto the earth some would argue all well, those words you just read that only refers to the restoration of a wayward people the people of Judah. Well, let me say this to you. Maybe I can make it plain, I hope so. It is very frequent in the Old Testament that when the Lord offers prophecies that they have both a right away meaning and they have a distant meaning. Sometimes that is very very we have examples of this a right away meaning and a distant meaning all in the same wording and they are examples of the way that the lord reveals his truth but here i just simply want you to remember or think about this with me we have here in hosea chapter 6 a statement of the judgment of god on one who is smitten smitten My question is, does that not sound at all like Isaiah 53, verse 4, that says, Yet he did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, the one who is torn? But then you have the statement there in verse 2, and we have the words, After three days there will be a rest. Now you say, Well, that's just the immediate thing. They said, No, there is a longer a distant meaning here. There will be a raising up. Now again I'm going to come back around to my thought with you. The reason I'm giving you these examples and again there are others. You would have a very good time. It would be a good thing for you to study through and see where the scriptures reveal this. I'm just giving you two. But my point to you this morning is simply this. That the purpose of the prophecies is to fasten in our minds, in our hearts, the certainty of the resurrection because it was foretold. It didn't just happen, it's not certain just because it was also spoken of certainly in the scriptures. But there's also an element in which that we might know comfort That we would have a comfort as certain as the Lord was to be raised. And all of this was planned from eternity. So also we would have a certainty and a comfort. That what was true of the Lord Jesus will be true of us as well. Does the scripture speak of the resurrection of Christ? Yes. By prophecy. Let me also give my second point. Hang in there with me the scriptures also speak of the resurrection in type. So according to the scriptures in type. Now we said a type is a foreshadowing. I want you to think about this with me. See if you can think about and envision what I'm saying. Are shadows the real you? Does the shadow? I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to baffle scientists with this one. If you move, it doesn't move, does it? Huh? A shadow. No, wait a minute. If you move and the shadow, then the shadow has to be the you, right, right? You say you're getting awfully scientific here. Yes. If you move this shadow does what? It moves too. What does the shadow say? It says that there's somebody that is movings are this way. Whether you move your hands or your legs or you turn around or you stick your tongue out, turn sideways, whatever it is, the shadow is going to show what is true about you. So I suggest then, also, and I want you to see this too, is is the shadow always the same size as you are? What if the sun is real low in the sky, and it shows across your back? uh, is, is Is the shadow short or long? It's long. It's taller than you are, isn't it? If the shadow is directly over, or the sun is directly over your head, and you just got, it's almost coming down on your head, and you look at the, at the ground around you, is the shadow really, really long? So, my point is this: sometimes shadows show. You are you are, moving. you are actually doing something, and it shows it exactly, but it may not show it just exactly as your dimensions are. You know that's somewhat the way it is in scripture. There is a shadowing of the coming and work of the Lord Jesus. Sometimes it doesn't show it just exactly as the Lord Jesus fulfilled it, but it shows that the certainty is there, the kind of action is there, the things that it will uh, prove are there, it's just it may be somewhat different. But again, I want you to think with me. Why these Jesus' resurrection is going to be like and the purpose of the types is to fasten the certainty of the resurrection in our minds because it is foreshadowed. But also there is comfort that as certain as the Lord Jesus was to be raised and that from eternity so that certainty will be ours as well. Now I'm just going to look at one thing. I'll mention a couple of others, and you can think about this, and there are probably others well-known. There are some very well-known types in the scriptures of the Old Testament that speak of the resurrection. Probably the most well-known is, well, the Lord Jesus himself refers to it, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale. How long was he there? Three days, three nights. So shall it be with the Son of Man. Jonah is, in that incident, that occurrence, it was a type. It was a shadow. It showed what the Lord Jesus would do going into the belly of the earth and then coming out within that time frame. The shadow of Jonah in the way of the Lord's uh, resurrection. It didn't deal with all the particulars. It didn't speak about those who would help him uh, to be put into the tomb or any of that. Further, another well-known type is Isaac on the altar on Mount Moriah. Isaac was a picture as one who would be slain so that the power of the Lord showed a deliverance from the power of death. The Lord stepped in, no, this one shall not be slain, here is a power over death. Okay, There are some things about that that don't line up exactly, but there is a picture. Also, here's another one. Leviticus chapter 23 speaks of the Feast of First Fruits. The Feast of First Fruits. Now, you say, how is that significant? Because the Feast of First Fruits was to be observed one day After the Passover was concluded. One day after the Passover was concluded. You say, how does that relate? Well, let's look back to 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 20, it says this. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. The feast of first fruits was ordained of God. Centuries before the Lord Jesus raised, it was to be that which occurred on the day after the Passover, or may we say it like this: on the first day of the week after the Passover, there was the feast of the feast of first fruits as a type of Jesus amongst many. Oh. these are all. T- I'm gonna and I'm gonna leave it here to say that the scripture does use things that happen as a title teaching us the nature of what the Lord Jesus would do. And I'm simply going to point you to Daniel chapter three. I think you probably know this incident very well. Daniel chapter three, verses sixteen and seventeen, and you could probably go on much longer than this, in that reading. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. In other words, there was no voice, no argument of why, there was no lifting up of the voice, As to why they should be spared or why not, there was no pleading. There was no voice, really, other than what they said here. But there was a word of testimony. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fire, uh, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O King. Are you familiar with it? Are you guys. Familiar with what I'm saying here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what happens there? Do you remember what the the king responded to these three who said, we're not going to be careful to answer you? What did the king say to those those who stoked the furnace? Make it hot. In fact, make it seven times hotter than it's ever been before. You can just think about these guys thinking, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, how are we going to do this? Well, just, is the furnace even going to hold together with a heat that immense? But they made it. They made it hot, so hot that there was no other flame ever like it. May I simply point out to you this? That is simply a picture of the wrath of God. You think about it. The flame was so hot that nobody could stand it. In fact, what happened to those that threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace? Here's a lesson to you. Those who go by their own strength, according to their own righteousness, and face the wrath of God, will be destroyed. No one can face this wrath and survive. Now, what happens to the Shadrach... around in there. It says that there were like the Son of God. Here's my point. Because He was there. Because He perhaps preceded them into that place. There was no heat felt. There was no smell that passed upon them when they came back out of the furnace. Could anybody tell that they were ever in the furnace? Were their clothes thin? What was the point? They came out. Type here. The presentation of this truth. Of the work of the one who is with them in the furnace, so to speak, the that the Lord Jesus causes the heat of God's wrath as well as the smell of death, not to touch those that go through the furnace with him. It's a type. Does give a picture or an example? Or show as a shadow that which takes place that proves what Christ Jesus would do for his people. Oh, I stand up here and just say one word about all this. It would be this. Certainty. These things were given in the Old Testament that they would know that there will be a was believed, Paul writes to the Corinthians, was not something that was... ...saying that Jesus lives. But all that has to do with why He came is absolutely certain. I say that is the Old Testament Scripture's message of the resurrection. But I also say this, that is also the message of the New Testament scriptures, though they were not offered, not spoken, at least in completion, they also speak of and kind of. so I conclude. I have one question, and I'm gonna give you three quick thoughts. Why why I give attention. To the fact that the Lord's resurrection is according to the scriptures. Why must this be something that I think about and learn? Number one. Three reasons. By this fact that they are spoken of in the scriptures we can be certain that the resurrection was not just an invention of men, sometimes in centuries, though. The, 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 the the whole thought was something that was perhaps to them impossible so they didn't second by this we that what we say the blessing of those in Christ will be the scriptures proved Christ was to rise, therefore all that ever the scriptures says about the blessing that you and I receive as a result of Christ being raised from the dead, that also is certain. Let me ask you this if you are you going to live again even if you die? Is this a maybe or is, is this something that you end, end with the word? Probably no. no, no, The Lord Jesus told Mark of him that the Lord of him who he did. This is not a possibility. This is not a probability. This is an absolute certainty. The scriptures speak of it. Christ, this then preaches to you that what the Lord promises to all those that believe in the Lord Jesus will most certainly be yours. But then there's because this is so certain, you can you and I then can be equally certain that Jesus lives. And because he lives. Christ Jesus is not dead. Christ Jesus is not off in some distant place. Christ Jesus is on the throne at the right hand of God. The Lord Jesus is not being inactive. The Lord Jesus is constantly praying for you, for the help. this, remembering this, that Christ Jesus rose according to the scriptures, sets the fact of the resurrection but it also sets the fact of his now priestly work. Christ Jesus rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Oh, may God help us to set our minds on that. Can we believe the Bible? Well, let me put it back. You say you do? Then here is something that you can fasten your heart on. You are to also train your mind on. Christ fulfilled all things planned from eternity of the Father. And He will continue to do that for you and for me until He takes us home. And we're everlastingly with the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's all pray. Father in Heaven, now we would pray that You will bless the Word of God and pray that You will which is used in our hearts to encourage us but also to draw us and to cause us to be those who live less in line with this old world Lord we pray that you will bless all our hearts with a ministry of the Spirit of God that brings the certainty of what we're talking about home with power that we might be able to rejoice this day rejoice that we are a people kept a people blessed and a people that face a certain future in Christ Jesus. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.